morning, Stephen. Good morning. So um, I'll start by just asking you to state your full name, spelling your first and last name for the record. Stephen Christopher Setka, S-T-E-V-E-N. I go by Steve, though. Last name Setka, S-E-T is in Tom, K-A. And uh, Steve, do you promise to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God? Yes. Now, <clears throat> my understanding is, is that you have uh, a business. You are a freight broker in the Winnipeg area. That's correct, yep. And you've been doing that for five and a half years. Yes. So um, you, you kind of started just shortly before the pandemic, and then you're still working through that today. That's right. We've been doing our, our business. Uh, it's more or less a family business, and I won't necessarily mention too much about the business, just the fact that it's in the freight and transportation industry. Uh, I myself am a sales manager for our company, um, selling freight services, small parcel services, uh, transportation services for international and domestic shipping. And we started uh, a couple years before the pandemic. And as anyone would know, a new business more or less struggles somewhat out of the gate. So we, we, uh, we struggled for sure for a while. The pandemic actually was a little bit of a supercharger for our business. Fortunately, uh, I would never choose to go through a supercharger event like a pandemic in order for the benefits of my business um, because I was deeply affected by a lot of other aspects of the pandemic. But yes, that was the career path that I've chosen for the past five years. Now, it's... You mention it as a, a family business, and I, I want you to talk about your family, but my understanding is, is that prior to COVID, I mean, you had a, a sizable extended family in the Winnipeg area and that you were really tied into that. So my understanding is you've got aunts and uncles and, and cousins, and that pre-COVID, I mean, this, this was a, a tight-knit family that was, you were an integral part of. Absolutely. Uh, I would say we're a pretty tight family. There's a couple. There's a member of my family here today, which is awesome. I really appreciate that. Uh, and I would say the size of our family, it's medium to large, and it is spread across Canada. Uh, there was more members of our extended family in Winnipeg up until a couple of years ago, since a few of them have moved away to other areas of the country. Uh, my immediate family, there's my mother, father, and my sister and I. And uh, then there's cousins and aunts and uncles, and a few of those families were very close with. And there were some consequences for my decisions throughout uh, the pandemic that uh, affected those now, family now, relationships. Before, before you go into that, though, is just explain to us kind of how regular your family would meet and for what types of things, just so that people understand kind of what was normal before things changed. It was pretty regular for sure. There's, uh, there's a cousin that I have that I'm very close with uh, that I would spend a good amount of time with. Uh, we grew up together. Uh, we spent a lot of time together with a lot of common interests. Family gatherings would occur, at, I think, the same as any regular family, maybe every couple weeks, maybe once a month, maybe once every couple months, depending on the season, summertime. There was definitely a lot more going on, and there would be somewhere between 10 and 20 family members at these events that, uh, that we would have barbecues, indoor gatherings, birthdays, Christmas, Easter celebrations, a variety of different things. We, we all got along really well for the most part. Um, there, were, there was some chaos as a, there is in any family for sure, but uh, for, the, for the majority of the time, it was, it was wonderful. We had a great time. And, and you were involved with some sports with some family members. Exactly. Yeah, you bet. So growing up, we played hockey and I played rugby with family members and we were just an athletic family, our extended family. 
my family specifically, my sister and I excelled at, uh, at sports and other members of our family around uh, the city uh, were the same. So we would, we would, that was really, that's my passion and that's where I really enjoyed spending my time with, uh, with family and friends and that's my community. And, and pre-COVID there would be regular phone calls and family group chats and texting and, and things like that on a, a pretty regular basis. Am I right about that? Absolutely, yeah. No more, no less than any other family, but we were close and, and we appreciated each other's company. I was raised uh, by the phrase, you know, blood is thicker than water and family is very, very important. You can't pick your siblings, you can't pick your family, you can't pick your parents, so you might as well make the best of it. Okay. <laughs> and we appreciate your enthusiasm. So tell us, as the COVID experience started, what, what happened and what changed? Oh, so I, I, I would say that I was uh, questioning the pandemic, not necessarily from the start. I, I started to question it, you know, a few months in for sure, in regards before vaccines even came out, before, um, you know, lockdowns and severe mass mandates and all those different types of things. I have a, a pretty healthy belief in my immune system, my physical health. That's very important to me, physical, mental and, and spiritual health. Therefore, I looked at it from a different lens right from the get go, more or less. But I was scared and I had fear from the, the get go. Uh, and my, for the most part, my immediate family was very on board. They, they feel more or less the same way. Other members of our immediate family, or not our immediate family, but the extended family, uh, prob didn't really feel that way. They went right into the uh, so-called fear porn response, I would say, and uh, watched too much television. And that uh, affected the relationship that we had, because I was not overly outspoken in the family, but I was most definitely comfortable telling them what I felt in a polite and respectable manner, in, in what I thought, and uh, they, they didn't really like that. A whole lot. And then was there also some disapproval that you would uh, be going out when perhaps the, the government did not want you going out? I was a rule breaker. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> okay. But how did that affect the family dynamics? Again, the immediate family, there wasn't any ne uh, issues necessarily per se, but if we're going to jump ahead and talk about the whole vaccination process and my decision not to get vaccinated, uh, there were a fair few members of our family that didn't approve of that. Uh, just the, the fact that I didn't do it and uh, that I was still part attempting to participate in everyday life as I normally would. Of course, I wasn't able to for a variety of reasons. Um, as most people that do know me, uh, they would understand that I'm quite a gregarious and outgoing individual. I have a lot of energy. I, I, I need social engagement in my life and being locked down and being isolated in a house or home on my own or with a partner at the time was very, very difficult. So it wasn't received very well in my communities, in both family and friends. Right. And then you told us you chose not to get vaccinated. What, what types of things happened within the family and your access to the family with that decision? Uh, there's, a, there's a few households that I was not able to attend. I have not been back there since. Oh, I won't go too much into depth on that, but uh, the relationships of uh, being around those family members has definitely changed. And I would say that it's uprooted some, some deeper hurt that has been longstanding maybe within the family. Our family, I believe like none others, struggles with issues and challenges and relationships, especially the larger that they get, uh, the more uh, difficulty you can experience and 
COVID, the pandemic, the vaccines, the, the lockdowns are difference in views definitely affected that negatively. So uh, my understanding is, is, is some, you're not invited to birthday parties and there's some of your nieces and nephews you're no longer allowed to see, right? More or less, I, I would say it's just more currently, it's just the association discussions, the uh, participation in family has been very limited and minimal. And I would say our immediate family has been ostracized and excluded from events. Specifically, I'll tell a really quick story. Uh, members of my immediate family that were vaccinated are, are and have been invited to events, and then the ones that aren't, aren't invited to anything anymore. And that, that's, that's really been the case for a couple years now. And uh, I don't know if that has to do with still the fact, the vaccination status, or to do with the fact that uh, there's other things going on. To be honest, it doesn't bother me as much any longer. It did affect me really negatively and my mindset for a long period of time, although. Now, I want to segue to church because you had, um, you had an experience with church. My understanding is that you um, were going to Oasis Church when the pandemic hit. And um, can you share with us what happened there? For sure, this is something that I have a friend that I discuss with regularly because I was in more or less a, a Zoom group or more of like a family care group with this individual. A couple years ago, uh, Oasis Church was concerned about the, um, the, the, the pandemic and vaccination requirements and whatnot. And uh, I brought it up with the leadership of the church that I was concerned about that, the fact that they were going to separate individuals, bring in a vaccination pass or something of the like. And I had met with uh, the leadership of the church uh, to express my concerns to no avail. Um, whenever the vaccine pass would have come around, what would that have been 2021, end of summer-ish going into the winter, it got really severe and really heated. Oasis Church brought in a vaccination pass and they had it right around Christmas time. And I made the decision to go as an they had a, a section for undeclared individuals for Christmas Eve. So, I decided so I just, so I to go to, to that. You. So this, yep. is, this is like Christmas Eve service. Christmas which, Eve service. Which in a Christian church, I mean, that is right. one of the two major celebrations. Absolutely. Christ, uh, Christmas Eve is a big deal. It's, it's, it's a wonderful opportunity to spend time with your family. I decided to go on my own as uh, in the section of the church that was declared for individuals who did not want to declare their status. And I'm walking in and I go into the church and I go into the theater, which was separate from the main congregation for the, the regular vaccinated service, I guess you could say it, on Christmas Eve. I was the only one in that separate theater at the church and uh, I, uh, I was shocked that there were, first off, no one else there, but it doesn't surprise me that nobody else showed up. If they didn't want to declare, they just wouldn't go. I just put myself on the line, and that was more or less the, uh, the straw that broke the camel's back for me when it came to not attending that church anymore because of that decision that they had made, which brings me to, to changing churches and going somewhere else now. Right, so, so basically they, you know, they were accommodating people that were undeclared, but they were in a different theater. And I guess the idea would be is you'd watch it on a screen. Right. But when right. you so show up, you are the only one in that room. 
Exactly. You know, there would have been, I would put my number on it, but maybe a thousand people at the service uh, in the main, uh, main area. And then myself as the one individual who went undeclared. Were there other things about, um, you know, being unvaccinated, other restrictions that affected you? Absolutely. There were work, work repercussions in terms of events and networking and social engagements. That was uh, severe. I, I, I also love to travel. I have family all over the country. I, do, I enjoy travel for business, family, and leisure. have not been able to do that for a long period of time. I, I can now, of course, but I was not able to attend work conventions in the United States, work conventions in Canada. Uh, my business partner and I actually drove to Toronto uh, right near the end of the, the flight mandate. It was about uh, eight or 12, eight to 10 months ago, um, which is a long drive, especially in the winter time, to get to another city in order to attend a, a mandatory work event. So we're not able to fly there. Instead, we had to drive 24 hours and take time away from the day-to-day -day operation of our business in order to do that. And that was very difficult and very challenging. How has this affected you mentally? Tremendously, I would say, as I, as I stated, a very outgoing and gregarious individual. I, I felt feelings of sadness, loneliness, anger, depression, anxiety, a, a variety of different things. I, I would say uh, I, I utilized my family, my friends as an outlet to talk about them. Um, was it sufficient? I have beautiful people in my life, and I was very happy to, uh, to have those people there and those support groups, the aforementioned ones that that Cassie said about Sam and other groups that I affiliated with. But um, the readjustment of my social scene and social circle was extremely difficult, and it's ongoing. When you lose friends, when you lose opportunities, miss out on a variety of things, and aren't able to do anything for fun, per se, for eight months, that takes a toll on your mental health. And especially for a, a large period of that time, you were living by yourself, weren't you? Correct. So, you know, lockdown for you meant just being isolated. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I was living with a partner for a period of that time, but uh, <clears throat> more or less probably half of the, the pandemic I was living on my own. Now, do you have any ideas um, how we could have done this better? Depends how much time we have to talk about it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I have a, uh, a belief that in this world, we live with a lot of risk every single day. And I, I would have liked to see the government or those that be allow us to choose which risk we wanted to take in our life and the ability to have autonomy in our own decision making. If you wanted to get vaccinated or stay at home or wear a mask or whatnot, that's great. But if you are willing to take the risks associated with daily living, along with going out when there's flu season sickness going around, that would have been how I would like to see the response. Now there were, that response was, was, was done in other areas of the world, Florida probably being the, the one that we're most familiar with, bodily autonomy, personal autonomy, and individual responsibility. And that's just what I believe in and how it should have been done better. Thank you. I'll, I'll ask the commissioners if they have any questions for you. Good morning. I'm glad you've decided to find another church, but I'm just wondering how the new church did things differently with regard to the mandates and lockdowns. 
So I'll share that uh, I'm a member at uh, Springs Church, and there's other people around here that I see that are there as well, too. I felt uh, more at home there. I went, a little short anecdote about the reason why I ended up there is because of this experience at the previous church, the Vax Pass, and then being accepted elsewhere. Also, members of the community that I was becoming involved with were there, uh, and I never really knew much about it, but uh, it felt more like home. I went to the church, to Springs Church for that reason. I stayed because of the pastor, Leon Fontaine. God bless his heart, is no longer with us. And, uh, I, uh, I, I, and I'm continuing at that church, and I will be for a long period of time because of the communities and the associations that I've um, built there. Uh, Springs definitely pushed the envelope. They, they allowed people individual autonomy and responsibility. They, they were in the news and in the media more than um, definitely many others. They stood up for the, the, the charter freedom that we have to practice our religion or our faith, and I appreciated that because that's exactly how I felt in regards to the human rights we all have as, uh, as citizens of the world. Thank you. Um, I'm almost uh, tempted to ask you a question about uh, what you experience in the church. Um, I guess you must have had conversation with people over there. I'm wondering whether the question about what would have Jesus done under those circumstances with the unvax was that ever raised? I believe so. I have these conversations with my father regularly. He reads the Bible on the daily, and we are very biblically focused, and we have a lot of faith, and I don't necessarily know. I don't think there's any, I don't know if in the Bible there's anything to do with vaccination specifically. But um, I, Springs teaches us this little acronym that many people are familiar with, and I believe this is what Jesus would have done. He would have loved and accepted and forgiven people for the decisions that they made. Love people for where they're at, accept, accept people for the decisions that they have uh, made and, and forgive those who have potentially wronged you. And that's just the spirit that I live by. Thank you. There being uh, no further questions, Stephen, on behalf of the National Citizens Inquiry, we sincerely thank you for coming and sharing your experience with us. Thank you for having me.